Hey everybody, welcome back to the Next Move podcast. And if this is your first time on the show, we are a podcast that share the stories of impact and change in India. And today I'm I'm so excited to have Saras Ramamurthy with me, who is a co-founder at Learning Matters. And what I really love about Learning Matters is they're flipping the switch on traditional ed tech. When you think about traditional ed tech, it's direct to student to improve their learning outcomes, which is awesome, which is definitely has it has its place and it's doing incredible things. But what Learning Matters are doing is equipping our teachers to be better teachers. And especially in India and in rural India, that, that plays such a huge role. And we're gonna get, get into the psychology of it all. We're gonna get into all the aspects. So I'm so excited to have you on, Saras. How are you? I'm great, thank you, uh, Arman. And um, it is a pleasure to be here on the podcast with you. Um, education um, has always been at the forefront of any society. It's it's the most basic thing that, that everyone in a society needs in order for the society and the country as a whole to move forward and to move forward and make progress at the same time, right? So um, education is very um, dear to the hearts of uh, the entire team at Learning Matters. And uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to tell the story of Learning Matters and our passion for EdTech and for teachers um, on your show. Appreciate no, I'm, I'm so happy to have you on and our coincidental meeting leads me into our first question. Uh, so we went to the same university, uh, different, different times, but we went to the same university and you went there to study special education. Could you talk about why you went to Purdue? What was, what was the reason you went there? What did you study? And did you always have a passion for education for from even before you went there? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, um, so I was one of those um, students in high school. Um, I did my high school in a very reputed school in um, Chennai. Uh, and um, it's, it's a school that's known for all of the students that go forward to become engineers and, and doctors. And I think I was the only student in my entire batch that did not write a single professional entrance exam for either either of the two professions, because I was always very clear that that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I had always enjoyed um, interacting with children, um, you know, just the conversations and getting them to think, getting them to answer. So I decided to do a bachelor's in um, nutrition and dietetics, which was a fairly new subject at that point of time. I'm talking about 1995, 96. Um, it was a fairly new subject. A lot of people hadn't heard about a course like that, a bachelor's in that, but I wanted to do it because the the range of subjects in it was so um, broad and so interesting. There was biochemistry, there was microbiology, and there was child development for one year. And that was what really interested me. And uh, when I actually studied and did child development, I realized that this was the field I wanted to get into. And um, so I went ahead and pursued that and I decided to go to Purdue for a master's in child development. Uh, not a lot of people go to Purdue for anything other than engineering or <laughs> MBA. You yourself went for an MBA. Um, so yes, it was fairly new, but what I loved about the, uh, the degree that I was going to do at Purdue was um, along with actually doing your theoretical coursework in the university, you also, um, as a grad student in the Department of Child Development and Family Studies, every student also has to do um, a certain number of hours each week where they are in the classroom with children. Um, so it's more like a, a practical side to what 
what you have to, what you're studying and learning about. And um, I was a, was a graduate teaching assistant at their child development lab school um, for a long time, for uh, two years. Um, so I was working in the classroom with children and I realized um, that that was where I, I truly, uh, my passions and my, uh, you know, truly came out. Like I realized that there was, there was no end to what I could do with children and just seeing how as a teacher, how you are directly impacting what a child can understand about the world around them, how the child can process that information. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's almost unsettling to see the power that you can have, the impact that you can have on children as, as a teacher, right? I mean, we all know uh, my children come home and when I say, you know, that's not right, this is right, they say, no, ma'am said it was this, so it has to be whatever ma'am says, right? Like teacher's word is gospel. So it's, uh, it was um, incredible for me to see the impact that I could have and the other teachers could have on the way children learn and how that sets the foundation for pretty much everything a child can go forward to do, right? So, um, so I knew that this was the field I wanted to be in. Um, I finished my master's, followed it up with another master's in special education. So the, the um, interest in working with children was there um, from my teenage years. Um, I, I followed that, that interest by actually studying the subject and um, doing a lot of classroom experiences. I, I then, after finishing both my master's, I worked for many years at Purdue um, as the head teacher of the, uh, of the um, child development lab school there. So um, I spent many years in the classroom and they were some of the best years of my, of my career. Wow. And, you know, I love what you said there about the impact of a teacher, because it's so true. I think everybody can think back to a few of their best teachers that had a huge impact of them, but also also their worst teachers, you know, like that had (laughs) incredibly negative impact. What they said, you know, it can stick with you. It, it does. It does. I mean, if you if you were to ask me now, um, I probably wouldn't share it on a public forum, but I can tell you exactly which were the worst teachers for me and exactly mm-hmm. what they said. Even now, 25, 30 years later, I can remember exactly what they said that, uh, you know, made me hate the entire subject, perhaps. I mean, it's, it's crazy the impact that teachers can have on children to the extent that they can influence their, their career decisions, right? I mean... Mm-hmm you know, why does a child uh, hate math or hate chemistry or hate physics or anything like that? There's probably a reason behind it somewhere, right? So um, yeah, teachers are the single most powerful um, influence on children other than their parents. Yeah. I agree. I I can remember some things teachers said, and I'm just like, when I look back, I'm like, how could you say that to a kid? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, because it's, it's very, the way children... Um, you know, teachers help mold um, how the child perceives and understands the world around them, right? So mm-hmm. literally what I would tell all of the um, graduate students who, would, who later went on to train under me to become teachers, right? I would always tell them that anytime you're going to open your mouth and say something to a child, just think for a second about what you're saying. And sometimes it's not even about what you say. It's also your actions. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot that they take away from the way you behave. And it's not, not just your words, but it's, it's, it's everything. Do you do your facial expressions, the way you react to something, the way you hold them or the way you touch them, everything makes a difference. And um, that's why, you know, we at Learning Matters firmly believe that for any kind of scalable, sustainable, positive impact in education, whatever solutions you have, they have to include the teacher in them. 
Mm -hmm. I agree. And that, that's, that's what's really cool. Yeah. So, so you, you, you said, like you said, you stayed on at Purdue and you stayed on in the U.S. for quite a while teaching. And yeah. um, then, then you had this urge and you, you wanted to come home to India. And, you know, we talked before this, you couldn't explain it, but well, what <laughs> was it? Like, why did you want to come home? And this is becoming a great trend that I see in India. People are coming back from the U.S. Yeah. So could you talk about that? Why did you choose to come home? Sure. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I was there for a long time, 13 years, um, and almost entirely had worked in within the field of education, either in the classroom or out of the classroom, but still very firmly within education, um, developing curriculum for, for programs across the United States. Um, but I think, uh, you know, your, the answer is in the question you asked me. You said, why did you come back home? And, and, I'm, and I'll say to you, because this is home, right? So, so after a point, you just realize um, there's, there's something missing and um, it's, it's uh, indescribable. You can't quite put your finger on it, but you just know something is missing. And um, for me and for the rest of my family as well, we just felt like uh, India was where we had to be. Um, and the minute we came back, it, it was like we were home. That, that's awesome. And so, so when you came home, your, your 2B co-founder, got you a job at the company you eventually started working for, Pearson, which right. is also an education company. Yes, so could yeah. you talk about that experience and the, the, the experience of meeting your co-founders yes. uh, at the company? Absolutely, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great story that, that I never get tired of telling. So um, my co-founders are uh, Gauri Mahesh and uh, Ramu Murthy, and uh, the three of us aren't related in any way except by the very, very strong uh, ethos that we have for education and the passion that we have for education. So um, um, I joined Pearson, both my co-founders were there working, and um, Gauri is also my high school classmate. So we've known each other donkey's years, a very long time. And um, I joined Pearson. They had the right opening for someone with my background. Um, and it was in education. Um, it, it, it was great. It was a great experience because I got to see the um, digital content and the digital education side of things. And especially from an Indian perspective, because mind you, I hadn't, I hadn't worked in education in India up until then, right? So Pearson was great um, for that, for that matter. And it, um, I got to learn so much in my almost two years there. Uh, but then there was a point where uh, the three of us uh, felt and, and, and as we got to know, um, you know, um, that we had such a strong um, ethos for education um, and very specifically, um, all three of us, um, you know, unequivocally attribute everything in our lives to education. And we firmly believe that if a child um, can get the best of education or at least access to education, let's say access to education, then um, it really, really opens up all kinds of doors for you, right? So, uh, and we wanted to do something for all of those um, in the country that um, had the aspiration to, to be like that and do that, but just didn't have access to education. And um, that um, kind of um, encouraged us to get together and, um, Found learning matters. It's been four and a half years now, and uh, we are going very strong. And we that 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 ethos and that passion hasn't changed a bit. In fact, uh, we have a fantastic team uh, that every where everyone shares that very same ethos. I mean, they're here because they believe in education and they believe in in giving back. Uh, and I think that's that's crucial. You have to feel that.
So how did, how did the idea come up for Learning Matters? And then talk about, you know, th this is something that plays on the mind of so many to-be founders. Yeah. You have this idea, you have co-founders, you're excited, yeah. but you also have a family and yeah. you also have kids and you also, you know, you, there's that security of, of a full-time job. So yeah. can you talk about that leap as well? That, that's a hugely important role that, yeah. you know, people would love to take away. Sure. Yeah, that leap is an incredibly hard one to make. Um, and, um, you know, everyone says this all, you know, all entrepreneurs talk about this at some point, And they always tell everyone that, you know, whatever you see and you hear about, you always only hear about the, the success stories. And it, it always looks so, um, so cool and so glamorous. But, but then you always only hear about the success stories. You don't hear about the, that's the tip of the iceberg. So you, we don't see the rest of the the rest of the startups, the rest of the entrepreneurs who tried equally hard and, and didn't make it for some reason, right? So um, leaving behind the security of a full-time uh, job, especially a job at a really good organization, something that pays you well and, and in a field that you like, it's incredibly hard to make. Um, for the three of us, um, we, we did a lot of, we had a lot of discussions before we officially decided um, to, to start learning matters. We made sure that we had a lot of discussions about, um, and we were very, very honest with each other. Uh, we were very, um, you know, and that's one thing that helps. And I will always tell um, people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, there are two things that I think um, are very critical. One is um, have, one is find, if, if you're intending to find a co-founder or, or more than one co-founder, Please make sure that your co-founder is someone that you are um, by principle and by values, um, you know, that you are very tightly aligned with them. Because if you have that, nothing else really matters and nothing else can, can come in between, right? If you're, if, you're, if you're already tied on what you believe in and, and the core values, right? Whatever those values may be. If you're very tightly aligned, you're good. And, and so make sure you take the time to find a co-founder like that. Because if you have a co-founder like that who truly understands you and is there to back you up no matter what, it, everything else becomes so much more easier. The second thing is have all of the difficult and hard conversations up front, right? Whatever that conversation is, there's no point in saying, you know, but this is my good friend and, and how, can I, how can I talk money with my friend or how can I talk like, um, you know, what percentage should we each hold in the company? And that's the whole point. You have that conversation because that person is a good friend or, or, or you believe is a good friend. It only helps you because later as the company grows, as you have other difficult decisions to make, if you haven't had those difficult conversations in the beginning with complete honesty and, and you know, um, uh, being genuine, the rest of it will, will just not work out. So, um, so the three of us had uh, a lot of, lot of conversations, a lot of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A lot of, you know, brain searching and soul searching to ensure that this is really what each of us wanted to do individually. That was one point. And then also make sure that each of us, that we, that we three wanted to, wanted to do this, start a company with the other two. Like that's another point we had to, we had to be completely sure about. We also brought our families in. We also brought all the spouses in to make sure that they understood and they were aligned with us. And they, uh, because without that, you know, without the family support, it's, it's not easy. And uh, they have to be okay with it as well. So, so we had 
many, many, many conversations before we decided, yes, this is what we want to do. And from then on, it, it, it was more about planning what we were going to do and getting into the execution and the you know, implementation. Wow. So you guys, you guys took that leap. And what, what I'm taking from that is find the right co-founder, make sure you have the hard conversations up front and get all your spouses in the loop, get everyone involved to make sure that you're moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about, before we get into really learning matters, I want to talk about, can you paint a picture of what education looks like in rural India right now? How, how, what is the situation with the teachers? How are the students learning, especially in public schooling? Could you, could you go yeah. into that? Sure, yeah. Um, so the biggest problem in education right now um, across the world, across the world and across rural and urban areas is a severe shortage of qualified trained teachers um, because teachers, um, you know, teaching is a notoriously uh, low paying profession um, in, in most countries, except your, your Finland and Norway and, and, and countries like that, like those. But um, there is a huge shortage of qualified trained teachers. They might have a, a B.Ed. or something on, on paper, but, uh, but, for practical purposes, that teacher really does not know anything about classroom management or curriculum development or lesson plans or even managing children. So, so if you have to be a teacher of uh, older children, then you have to know something about the development of a child at that age, right? What, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's relevant, what's not relevant. Same thing, uh, whatever age of children you teach, you have to know how to, how to be a good teacher for that age. Um, so most of our teachers don't have that. Uh, and that is, is a huge, uh, you know, we like to say it's, it's, a, it's just a huge time bomb waiting to happen, right? I mean, if, you, if your teachers are not going to be trained, then imagine the kind of students that are going to come out that are going to become the workforce of our country, right? So, um, so in rural uh, India, the schools, they have a huge, the, the problem is even more magnified there, right? So they have even, even less of those, of those trained, qualified, experienced teachers who are there for the passion of teaching, right? You tend to have a lot of teachers who are there because, you know, it's an, it's an easy job. Uh, you know, they, they can get, they can do their cooking at home in the morning and then come and teach in the school and get back home. Um, so it's, it's, it's not something that they would have chosen for themselves. They just do it because it's convenient. Right. Um, so, um, while, while there are many students there, uh, who they are no less than the, than the urban children in terms of their abilities or their aspirations, but without the right teachers to guide them and to teach them, uh, it's even harder. And they obviously have, uh, you know, the obvious challenge that we all know about is that they tend to have uh, a lot, a lot less access to, to resources and uh, high quality resources uh, that our urban children have. I mean, we, we are spoiled for choice, right? Schools here uh, typically are spoiled for, there are n number of vendors that bring all kinds of products and solutions to them. Uh, not so for the rural schools. Nobody's going out there saying, hey, I have a digital content platform or, hey, I have these activity kits and I have this and I have that. So for them, it's, it's twofold. It's access to any, to any high quality resources. And of course, it's, it's not having the qualified trained teachers. So that, 
that magnifies the whole the whole issue for them you know what what i like to think is like we have a billion people and a lot of those kids are not in urban areas like you're saying not, and yeah. what if we're what if we're leaving behind like an elon musk or you know yeah. someone who's going to just absolutely change the world not even just exactly. our country exactly exactly yeah my my thought there is that it's it's incredible that you know edtech companies in general are able to leverage technology to get education to them at scale and for cheap because it needs to be affordable exactly it needs to be and, affordable and it needs to be mm-hmm. accessible so mm-hmm. affordability is next first is let's give them access to it and then let's mm-hmm. make sure that it's affordable so they can actually use it and make a difference yeah exactly and and so i want to get into like i said earlier you guys flipped the switch on edtech you guys are focusing on like we've talked about a lot just before this empowering the teacher could you go into a little bit about why you guys chose that approach and how you were doing that sure yeah i'd love to so um like i said if uh, like i said earlier if there has to be any kind of sustainable and scalable scalable and sustainable this is these are the two keywords right uh, impact in education and you want to make sure that it's so when you make solutions that directly go to students and are purchased by parents or by families to be used by the children at, at home think about it who are you impacting you're impacting that one child or that many children who undoubtedly are benefiting from the solution and 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 go on um, you know with with the power of that benefit right but when you are able to upskill the teacher you're able to transform the teacher what you're doing is you're transforming the entire teaching learning cycle in in the classroom in that school and that single teacher now impacts generations of students now that impact is going to be a longer wider and a deeper impact so we were very firm right from day 1 that our solutions will make sure that the teacher is at the center of whatever we do because that's the only way that we can ensure the scalability and the sustainability so we focus a lot on um, teacher training and we we provide high quality customized teacher training programs for teachers in different ways so so pre covid um, you know our our one of our flagship solutions was uh, star teacher which is a teacher training program and you know we used to it was a blended model where uh, our uh, um, training team would go out to the school three times a year no matter where the location i mean our our team here i mean we are so incredibly lucky and blessed to have them they will take any means of transportation that it necessitates to get to a school like i they've had trains cancelled on them and they've like in the middle of the night switched trains from at stations from one train to another and you know we take like like buses with wooden seats um, there's a school in 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 maharashtra that we that we work with it's kind of towards the coast like uh, i think an hour or 2 hours from from mumbai and they they you know you have to do the train of course or the plane train to mumbai and then you take the local train from mumbai to another place and then you have you do the last leg in this little little rickety van bus slash bus so so we do whatever it takes to get to the school and that was a blended model that was that was pre pre covid and pre the world changing uh, now we do a lot a lot of upskilling programs and professional development programs for teachers online we do a lot of webinars um, we have a webinar almost every week and while most of them are paid at very nominal prices uh, all of the topics are very relevant very timely for teachers like things like you know how can you be 
setting up your online classroom? How do you assess in online classrooms? How do you manage the students in you know, higher grade students who are tech savvier than yourself? I mean, these are all issues that teachers are grappling with right now. So we, we ensure that our webinars focus on these. We have a lot of free webinars as well. There's no payment. It's, it's just, it's just our, our contribution to the teaching community at this time. Um, so so we, we ensure that no matter what we do, the teachers are at the, you know, at the, they're at the fulcrum of the solution. It's, it's like a, it's a different way of looking at customer obsession because in, in this way, the teacher is your customer. And it's incredible that you guys are you know, going through all those means just to make sure that they are in a teaching, and like in a learning environment that suits them. Yes. So that, that, that's really cool. And so you have this idea and you know, you have this program in place. You guys have the experience to put this program in place, but we're, we're talking about rural cities and underfunded schools that you guys are going after. And I know you guys are a for-profit business. So how are you selling to them? How is it, you know, how is it going through? Could you, could you talk about that sale? Yeah. Um, yes. For, so so there, there are two kinds, two kinds of um, uh, ways in which the schools react, uh, the rural schools. One is you have those that are so happy that, that someone's out there with a solution that's affordable for them. And what they'll do is the, whoever is the decision maker, it could be the principal, the correspondent, the school owner, they will make sure that they divert whatever funds are needed to do that. I mean, and you would think that rural schools would say, oh, we don't have the funds, right? Uh, you know, they are, they, they are the first to, to, if they know the value that this will bring to their school, and if they know the value that it will bring to their teachers and their students, the decision maker will make sure they, they put the funds together. So a lot of times they will either divert funds from, you know, from another, from something else towards this, or they will ensure that they plan it uh, well in advance of the next academic year. So that they can ensure that the cost is kind of split among among the, the students for the next academic year. So they'll they'll plan the fee structure that way, right? And all of our solutions are so so affordable that the change for the parents who pay the fees is, is really not not that great, um, uh, not that big. Um, so they will do that. Um, on occasion, we've had schools that have been really interested, but then they they just really don't have the funds and. You know, we try to help them. We try to connect them with with, with CSR or uh, organizations that are looking to fund. Um, we have done that a couple of times, uh, but usually we've seen that if if they believe in the value of the solution, uh, they will do they will do what they need to 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 make sure they get it for their school. Yeah, that that's that's so true. I, I for our CSR activities at, at our company, we actually go to this little village school that's, that's down the road from us. And you can see okay. in the teacher's eyes that they want to do everything for those kids, but they just don't have the resources. Right. And when you and equip them, they, they, yeah. they really, you know, they go forward with it. So I, I completely get what you're saying. Exactly. And a lot of times it's, we've all heard of the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. Right. But it is so true for teachers and especially those mm -hmm. out there, you know, it's not like, it's not like they don't have the abilities or the intelligence or the desire to do something. There are a few that are there just because it's a convenient, mm, yeah. convenient job, but most of them are not like that. They truly want to do something to, to, to improve, um, to, to help to support the students. So when you tell them simple things like strategies that they can use to, you know, 
to manage their class better or manage their routines better you should see you can see the light bulbs going off in their heads and they're like i wish someone had told me this like you know 5 years back i would have i would have been doing it all these years and they're so so thankful so um filled with gratitude that someone is giving them these solutions right or someone is is teaching them how to navigate these issues that they have um they are just so thankful for it you you're absolutely right when you said that yeah it's it's crazy how these these little teachings i mean they play big impact but yeah they they can have a direct fundamental impact on this disparity of the entire country because all of these students are not getting the education that they need and they could be you know the brilliant ones of the future so i think exactly. you know what you guys are doing is is incredible so, and i want to talk about you guys are a technology company uh you guys do a lot with technology specifically yes. with alexa and you guys are equipping alexa to be able yes. to teach and help augment teachers and could you talk about how you guys are using alexa and why you're using alexa of course yeah um yeah we are um super thrilled we're doing uh, a lot with um ai and and voice technology and um we believe that's that's the way to go forward um so if you think about it um how do we all how do we all even learn language right we learn it because we listen to it being spoken by those around us and and we learn to speak it by by saying things over and over again and practicing until until we learn to say something and it, so listening and speaking are the two most natural ways by which human beings learn and communicate right so we our solution called tara tara is um, an ai enabled um teaching assistant um it is it uses natural language processing and um the the beauty of tara is that um it is it is a teacher that is a non judgmental teacher and a teacher that can teach with no fatigue right so the point is if 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 you can enable um if you can enable a, a device to become a teacher and to to teach students and 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 adults uh, anything it could be communicative english it could be science anything then think about how you're equipping them because they can access access the content on their own just with the device they can they can um repeat as many times as they need to they can answer questions uh, and the way we have um we're using we're using uh, amazon's alexa and the echo dot device for now that's the platform that we're that we're using now but tara can work um on pretty much any any voice enabled platform right so the point is that um you know the 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 learner the learner could be a child it could be an adult the learner says something in response to questions or um and and tara listens and then tara will correct you and tara will not only tell you your your incorrect but tara will also tell you why tara will correct you and explain to you where you went wrong and correct you so um and what's even more the learner is learning in an in an in a by using the two things that he or she is is already equipped with right i i listen i listen to the teacher tara and i speak and my teacher tara listens to me and and corrects me so it's it's the most natural way of learning and we're we're sticking with that but also because this is a machine teacher um there is no there's no it's a judgment free environment right so there's there's no judgment there's no fear of if i say something wrong what will happen 
and you know what will the teacher say to me tara will just say no that wasn't right and let me help you understand why and 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 direct them again and finally um tara can 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 repeat parts of a lesson or a lesson any number of times now a teacher with no fatigue is 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 an amazing thing to have so um yes we we believe um ai and voice is the way to go and um atara does 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 just that you know you know when i'm bored i i randomly take my phone and i'll just put like the siri on and start talking to it yeah. and you know See? when i think about if if i was a kid and yeah. you know i would just play with this all the time and i like you were saying it's just repetition repetition yeah. you keep speaking you keep practicing it one day you're going to keep you know learning more and more and more exactly and if you think about um communicative english because we we do a lot in the domain of communicative english for teachers and students in the rural schools rural and semi semi uh, urban schools because uh, think about it um all of us grew up having access to listening to to good english and and speaking you know and therefore mm-hmm. we learned how to speak good english mm-hmm. but for them uh that's not the case right i mean even though the school is is supposed to be an english medium school it's even the english teacher will not will not speak you know uh, good english and that's because and and how can you blame them because there is no access for them how do i learn a language when i don't get to hear that language being spoken and i don't have someone to practice conversing with so um and you know english is um fortunately or unfortunately it's it's the legacy left behind right by um by our history and um it's the language that that these people need um in order to to most of them need in order to move forward in their career or to to break the cycle i mean high quality education and good english right you, they need that to break the cycle of whatever they've been doing all these years um we are giving them access to to be to listening to good english and to be able to 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 practice uh, speaking good english through through tara Can you can you can you expand on cuz this is something I'm I'm super interested about edtech can you expand on how we can scale technology to kind of create a less unequal india to reduce the disparity between tier 2 tier 3 cities and tier 1 cities in yeah. in terms of outcomes can you can you go yeah. into that absolutely uh, arman technology has to be the way to do that right i mean there's there's no other way to do that there's no other way to easily quickly provide accessible and affordable high quality education to tier 2 and tier 3 right i mean if you think about it right mobile phones are everywhere now right if if only uh, we can ensure that and and even even wifi internet right is it's gotten a lot better in in tier 2 and tier 3 most places there's no problem with it now um but there are there are the occasional places here and there that don't but if 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 that can be taken care of right if 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 let's say the government can step up the game and say okay let's ensure that you know this is the time you know this is there's there's covid we don't know the 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 future of physical school um you know we're not sure how how it's going to be there there is talk of reopening and all of that but but we don't know and we don't know what form that will take so if 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 uh, you know the um internet infrastructure can be made better there is no doubt that technology such as you know voice based technology which is so light on the devices that you have to use you don't need a big big you know you don't need a big set of stuff uh, the the schools that are implementing tara uh, all they all we give them is we give them the the ecodoc and uh, and then they have the books that go along with it 
I mean, it's that simple, right? Um, and if, and the dot is like this tiny, it's like a little saucer size, right? So imagine that's all you need and that's all that school needs for its teachers and its students to, to learn. So technology has to be the way. And I think more importantly, what we're seeing is voice has to be the way. I mean, I just last week read a report by MSDF, uh, Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, that very specifically the report focused on uh, the importance of um, providing access to good um, spoken English, communicative English uh, content, right, for India, right? So, um, and, and how can you do that? So, see, how can you ensure, how can you ensure consistency in quality, okay, consistency in, in, in the teacher quality or the, the, right, the teaching quality? If, if you can, um, if you can, um, mechanized part of it through through a solution like Tara and we absolutely believe that a teacher still has to be there in the equation right we're not we're not replacing the teacher here at all we are saying that we are equipping the teacher we're enabling the teacher with this teaching assistant that now helps enable empower both the teacher and the teacher to empower the students right so it has to be done through technology and yeah so COVID-19 has hit us um, and it, it's hit education very hard in the sense that students aren't able to go to school. We're seeing a lot of, you know, cool advances in online education and all this kind of stuff. Can you, can you talk about how you guys are dealing with COVID-19 and how are you, you know, pivoting to continue moving forward? Yeah. So, um, and I, you know, touched upon this a little bit earlier as well. Um, one of the primary things we've done is um, to ensure that we don't stop rolling out uh, programs for teachers and uh, mm -hmm. rather than it being restricted just to the teachers that we are already working with uh, what i mean is the schools that we're already working with we're opening these these webinars up to just about everyone and um, you know all the information of all of the upcoming topics and webinars is there on our website so um the the critical thing is to provide access for teachers to programs that that is that are supporting them and are showing them how to navigate all of this online teaching right because all of a sudden uh, overnight you know teachers were told you're not going to school anymore you now have to teach your students through this new medium and guess what it's much much uh, so much more easier for the students to adapt to this than for the teachers to adapt to this right the teachers have a tougher time Right, the, the students take to because children are children. They they're so flexible, right? They're so agile. They pick up things so quickly. Uh, it's tougher for the teachers who have to adapt everything, right? Uh, I'm not able to be in the physical space as my children to grab their attention. I have to think of a different way to do it now. I also have to monitor them. Who's listening? Who's not? Who's who's playing pranks, right? I mean, who's uh, all of this stuff? And but I can't be in the same space as them. So it's actually the problem is magnified from their end and, and, and they still have to do the planning. They, they have to figure out how do I assess my students when I can't, you know, there's no paper and pen. So it's, now it's all moving to online assessments. Many teachers are, are a little bit technology savvy, but most of them are not, right? Most of them are not. They're old school. They, that's how they grew up. That's how they were taught and that's how they've been teaching. So our focus is to make sure that whatever webinars or professional development programs we do, 
that it focuses on, on, on the stuff that matters for them, right? So things like, um, how do you even set up an online classroom? And you know, what kind of platforms can you use for that? I mean, should, do, do I need, is only Zoom okay? Or do I need Zoom and an LMS, like a learning management system? The first time we had a webinar on this topic, you should have seen the kinds of questions we were getting from teachers all over the country, right? Everything from, I'm a pre-primary teacher. You know, I teach like four-year-olds. How am I going to even keep them engaged? How do I even get them to look at me through the screen? And how do I, because we all know that that is the, the big part of dealing with uh, kindergarten and pre-primary children is their attention span is so, so short. Um, you know, when you have the, in the physical space with you, it's easier to grab their attention. How do you do that when they're not there? So we were getting questions from that to like, I teach older students, um, you know, 11th and 12th. They know the platform much better than me. Like, they're able, they're able to take control of the whiteboard. They're able to take control of my screen. And how do I prevent them from doing How do I prevent them from like, you know, um, how do I even know that they're there or not there? So these were real questions coming from real teachers who were just, you know, um, you know, like this in, in despair at, at, you know, at, at how are we going to move forward? So we ensure that all of our webinars focus on topics that are of, absolute relevance to the teacher in the here and now right like you're doing online classrooms what do you need to know about it what do you need to know about it to be successful uh you know what, what else do you need to know about teaching at this time right what else does your school need to know i mean we, we run webinars not just for teachers we run webinars for school leadership as well right school leadership have they have their own challenges as well right how do i manage parental expectations with with online classrooms uh, parents are paying fees but there's no physical classroom so how do i how do i convey the significance of this to the to the parents right they have their own issues so we we're making sure so we started uh, these webinars during the lockdown and the response has been overwhelming with every week, uh, you know, we have more and more attendees, you know, earlier the attendees were more like from the South. Now we have a huge number that's coming in from the Northeast and we're thrilled by that. We're thrilled by that. It, it obviously means it word of mouth is, is spreading. People are getting to know, and it, it just shows that teachers all across the country have the same issues. That, that That's awesome. And it's so cool to see that, you know, several schools, like you're saying, they're, they're finding ways to pivot and they need this education though to yes. figure out how to get through it. Yes. Um, so, so I kind of want to go into a little bit of the conclusion of, of the podcast. And I want to talk about what's your mission with, with Learning Matters? What does it look like in 10 years? For Learning Matters, definitely, um, you know, move forward with a lot more technology. We're already doing a lot with voice and um, we, we can only, um, we definitely expect to do a lot more with, with AI and voice um, in, in our solutions. But also I think the uh, longer term where we'd like to be in a few years from now and maybe not even 10, maybe, maybe much sooner than that is um, we'd ideally like to see um, centers of excellence um, for teachers set up by us all across the country so like so like central central points institutions where teachers from the surrounding areas can come to be trained uh, to be supported to receive all kinds of professional development programs and upskilling um, so you know um, so kind of spread spread that and pass on those skills um, to many and, and be able to reach many many more teachers so that's definitely um, on our on our plans is to um, set up these kinds of centers where we'll be able to impact, um, you know, 
50, 100, 200, 500 times the features that we're able to do now. Um, and definitely a lot, lot more technology. Uh, being able to use technology smartly um, is the key and being able to use it to get high quality education to those that need it, right? That, that is the mission and, and definitely that, that will not change. Nice, and I, and I just, I just want to close on one thing. Uh, I was just thinking about it um, and I wanted to ask you, what does it take to build something from scratch? <laughs> from nothing into, into something great? Ah, okay. Um, that's a whole, that's a whole one hour podcast by itself, Arman. You're just giving me five minutes for that. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I will, I will do my best, um, to put into words, um, the answer to that, that, that question. Um, it takes a lot of courage, um, first and foremost. Um, it takes, um, it takes having really good partners in that, right? So, and I, and you know, this is the second time I'm speaking of, you know, finding the right people to do it with. Um, when you have the right co-founders, um, you know, without Gauri and, and Murti, none of this, I mean, this would not have been possible, right? It, it, it had to be the three of us together um, to be able to do this and bring our combined skills and, and, and passions and expertise, because we all three have, you know, a very different set of skills and we're able to bring those three together and, 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 you know, meld it into something, something so great. Um, but it takes a lot of courage. It takes, um, a lot of trust in, in your co-founders and, and when your co-founders are truly, you know, truly people that, that have your back, no matter what, um, you know, you can do it. Right. Um, there's a lot of self-doubt when you're trying to build something from scratch. Um, and, 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 and I'll definitely say that for me, um, you know, there's a lot of self-doubt, no matter, no matter how much, how many years I've, I've worked, right. Um, no matter how much I've studied, there's always a doubt about, you know, am I doing this right? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm doing this right, or I'm not sure I'm the right person to be doing this, uh, or, or to be doing something so big and, and so impactful. That's always going to be there. Um, never given to that, never given to that. I think that's, that's critical. You always have to get past that self-doubt. And, you know, an, an, another point, close, closely related point is don't wait um, to know everything about something before you actually do something, you know, just if you have an idea, you want to do something, just get into action because you learn a lot more that way rather than by trying to, to, to learn about it in the back end and then, and then trying to put it into, into practice, if that, if that makes sense. So um, I would say primarily it, it takes all of this. It, it, takes, it, takes, um, it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of sacrifice, uh, both from, you know, from a financial point of view, of course, yes. But it also, it also means from uh, in other emotional ways as well, right? Because um, when, when, when you've given up a job and, and the money um, or when, when you have children and, and you're trying to build something and you're, and you're an entrepreneur, then uh, all, everybody knows that. Everybody knows how tough that is. But, um, you know, I, I'm definitely going to say this, and this is a plug for all uh, women entrepreneurs whose, whose challenges are completely unique, completely unique, uh, completely different. Um, you, there's a lot that you sacrifice in order to, to be able to keep this going. Um, so, so these are the things I would say anyone has to be ready for. 
in order to be able to build something from scratch. And I'm not even sure I still did, I, I still did full justice to the question. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, you know, that, that, was, that, was very, that was very, very powerful. And I think, I think that's a great place to end up. Saras, thank because you it came so from the much. Heart, yeah. Yes, and I, I tried to throw a little curveball at the end because it definitely came from the heart. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and I and I learned a lot from this podcast. So you know, I'm looking forward to catching up soon. Yes, thank you so much again, Arman. Uh, and I I just want to say a huge shout out to everyone else at Learning Matters, uh, the wonderful team. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to be the, the voice and the face for them on this podcast. And, but be it my dear co-founders, Gauri or Murthy, or the rest of the team, the leadership team at Learning Matters, every single person that works so hard to, to, to take our mission and fulfill that mission. Uh, this is a huge shout out to all of them for, um, you know, for doing the incredible work that, 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 that we're all doing. And uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to, to share our story and to share, um, you know, our plans for um, what we want to do. And I really hope that, uh, you know, our story inspires, inspires many. So thank you, Arman, for, for doing this. Awesome. It was great to have you on. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. We release new weekly podcasts on stories of impact and change in India. So thank you so much for listening. See you in the next one.